Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us for worship here today. My name is Ben, uh, one of the pastors here at Hope, and just want to give a warm special welcome to everyone who's here today in person and online with us here this morning. Uh, We hope and pray that this time that we've been having this series on the book of Philippians has been a blessing to you. Essentially, we've just been opening up the Bible and just kind of walking through this biblical book uh, verse by verse just to see what it is that the Apostle Paul has to tell us from this Philippian prison. And so today we're going to continue with that as we kind of near the end of the book. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And what we're going to get a chance to hear is that the Apostle Paul is going to address one of the more prevalent topics in our day today, and that is the topic of anxiety. And I want to begin by sharing just full disclosure that sometimes your pastors feel some anxiety too from time to time. It's probably three, four weeks ago that uh, it was Easter, and Easter is such a wonderful, joyful celebration. Uh, Hopefully you got a chance to celebrate here, either Easter here at a local church somewhere, Uh, and one of the more joyful times of the year. And yet, if you know anything about Easter, there's like 700 services, so well, you get kind of tired after a little bit. So it was about the week after, uh, went home to spend some time with my mom and dad in uh, their hometown, and got to be uh, nighttime, so I was getting ready for bed, and just kind of lied down, and I started feeling uh, my pulse start to go through my hands. I started feeling a little shaky, just a little, uh, like something just wasn't quite right, so I kind of adjusted, hoping that would kind of fix it, and still wasn't going away. And started thinking about, uh, you know, why am I feeling this way? What's, what, you know, has kind of led to this point? And uh, just started honestly recognizing that it had been probably three, three and a half weeks since I had taken a full day of just like full on rest in the Lord. Uh, I had taken time with the Lord, but it had been in the midst of just the craziness of life, and I hadn't actually taken time to physically, emotionally, spiritually just rest and pause everything else in this life and just spend in the presence of Jesus. And it caught up to me, and I began to feel this anxiety. And I think it just pointed me to the greater reality of what it is that we're feeling in our culture nowadays, that this is one of the most prevalent topics in our generation And I want to begin by just full disclosure saying I'm not a psychologist by any means. You know, Lord help us if I was your psychologist this morning. We'd have a lot more problems to deal with. Uh, Psychologically, there's a lot that we can do to address anxiety. Right? Make sure you're getting enough exercise. Make sure you're getting a good amount of sleep. Don't eat McDonald's three times a week, hitting a little close to home. There's a lot of things that we can do. Uh, But what I would like to do today is to take a few steps back and actually go a little bit deeper with you and approach this from a a topic and perspective that you and I both share here today, and that's the perspective of faith to ask, what is it that God is maybe meeting us, and how is it that God is meeting us in this time? Uh, Because pastorally and just as a church staff, we've talked over and over and just come to the realization that our culture right now is in desperate, desperate need of mental health professionals. As I, you know, get a chance to do youth ministry, get a chance to work with a lot of adults, this is something that we see so common in our day and age. I was doing a little research, and there's an organization called Mental Health America that did a study in 2022, and uh, we're kind of looking back to the last three years, and what they found was just astounding, that one in five adults nowadays, one in five are experiencing some sort of mental illness. One in five adults. That's more common, more prevalent than we've seen almost at any point in human history. 
Not only that, but you look at the youth of America and what they decided and what they found out was about 2.5 million youth in the United States are suffering from what they would consider severe depression. This is not just saying, oh, you know, they had a hard day at school or, you know, kind of working through a couple things. This is enough to what they would consider to be severe You know, big picture, what we can see in all of this is whether you're young or whether you're old, whether you're male, female, whatever it is, that people who are struggling with this are not getting the proper help that they need. We are a generation, we are people who are seeking and striving for peace. And yet, as the phrase so often says, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. And what stats show us is the reason why we're doing this is because we kind of get this idea of misconstrued of what anxiety really is and what it is that we're supposed to do to approach this topic. And so I want to kind of take some time this morning and kind of address what is it that anxiety actually is, what do we misconstrue it to be, and what does it mean uh, to invite God into that. Uh, I want to begin with an illustration. I heard it in a message uh, within the last couple of years, and I found it helpful. Uh, if you've ever seen one of these signs before, uh, odds are you know what it means to be anxious. Uh, well, check engine light, right? If you have a vehicle, you've uh, had one of these before. Uh, and what we know about check engine lights is they happen every time, five days after you go to the, the DMV or whatever it is. Uh, check engine lights, in all reality, are not the problem. We know this. We look at check engine lights. What they are is a signal alerting us that somewhere else in the vehicle, there is a problem that needs to be taken care of. If you just get rid of the check engine light, it's not going to take care of any issue and take that away. There's still going to be issues happening in the vehicle. And so what do you do to take care of the check engine light? You take it to the ones who designed the vehicle, the ones who made it and created it, and they know how to care for it. In that same way, anxiety in itself is not the issue. Anxiety is a signal alerting us that there is an issue deeper down that we need to take care of. If you just get rid of anxiety, it doesn't take away the reality that there's real stuff going on. And so how do we address anxiety in our day and age? The same way, we go to the one who designed us. We go to the one who created us and we allow him to care for us in the midst of our deepest anxiety, our deepest depression, whatever it is that we may be facing. So I want to ask you here today, what are some of those check engine lights in your life? What are the signals that are alerting you that there's maybe something that's out of alignment? Many of us have felt these before. We know what this is. Maybe just having a hard time breathing. Maybe your, your pulse, your heart rate is just beating out of your chest and you can't find a way to just calm yourself down. It's hard to breathe. Maybe you're just kind of shaky, just kind of uncomfortable, not sure how to relax. Having a hard time focusing, having just a sense of panic, like something's going to go wrong. Sometimes we can pinpoint what's in our brains causing that, and sometimes it's just out of nowhere. Having a hard time focusing, having a hard time resting, having anxious thoughts constantly. We know these feelings. You and I have both felt them. These are the signs that we are experiencing anxiety. But what are the causes of 
anxiety. I want to go a little bit deeper to find out what is it that's leading to these different feelings. There's a study done a few years back by a man named Johan Hari, who had a very personal experience with anxiety, depression growing up, and so dedicated his life to doing research in this area, and did a TED Talk and, and uh, revealed his findings, and what he found was that there's nine leading causes in our culture of depression and anxiety two of which are neurological, biological. They found that medications are incredibly helpful in these situations to help kind of ease that anxiety. But the other seven they found to be more self-induced, having to do with the way that we choose to live our lives. There's a list of these different pieces. Our jobs, we find we experience an amount of anxiety just by having a lack of purpose in our job or just the pace of life that that can bring. Other people, who would have known that other people make us anxious from time to time? Uh, Lack of values. This is living for what feels good in the moment rather than what we know leads to life in the long run. Undealt with childhood trauma, we know many of us that is something that we're constantly trying to address. Social status. Worldly events, we've experienced that this last week, shooting in West Fargo, like that causes an amount of anxiety not knowing what is to come. And then uncertain or an unhopeful future. And then we see the last two, which are the biological pieces. And I wish what we had this morning was more time to dive into each of these specifically, because I do believe that these are worthy of our time, that uh, these are real things that we have to navigate. But the gist of what I hope that we can see in looking at this is that there's real stuff that we got going on in our life that needs to be addressed, that needs to be dealt with. And the invitation for each of us here today is to lift our hands to God, to lift our hands to our Father in heaven, lifting those things in our lives that make us anxious, to take those to the one who created us, asking him to care for us, even in the deepest, darkest night. And what the way we're going to do that is by opening the word of God, which is our source of all matters of life and faith, and asking the Holy Spirit to guide us as we open and begin to read. So we're going to look in our passage today. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And again, what we see is Paul also is not a psychologist, but he is an evangelist, and he's writing from this anxiety-ridden situation that we've been talking about since the beginning of this series, which is this situation of being in prison, writing to this local congregation. And he begins in chapter chapter 4, verse 4, by outlining the rest of his message, and he begins by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You see, Paul begins by saying to the Philippian church to rejoice while he himself is in prison. And so the question that this poses for me is, is Paul asking them to do something that he himself is not doing? To which the answer appears to be no. Yes, we know that Paul is experiencing the life, uh, you know, the uh, result of life that is hitting him for preaching the gospel, the worst of what life has to offer. And yet what we begin to see is Paul's peace is not found in temporary worldly things, but there's a deeper underlying motivation for his peace. There's two other little phrases connected in this verse that I want to kind of dive deeper and make sure that we don't take out and read and gloss over. The very first one is to rejoice in the Lord. Don't just seek joy, but seek joy in the Lord. This is a very common phrase that you see as you read the scriptures as a whole. You hear this from Paul, you hear this from other writers. To rejoice in the Lord. Work hard in the Lord. Greet them in the Lord. We've been chosen in the Lord. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. 
You see, it's a motivation not found in the circumstances and situations of this life, but a motivation found in the presence of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we don't find our hope in the situations that we go through. We know that the circumstances of this life are fleeting. They are up one moment, they are down the next, but that our God in Jesus Christ is constant. We've been saying this since the beginning. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is a firm foundation and he is eternal, not just temporary. That's why Paul says, again, I will say it, rejoice. He emphasizes it twice. So the first phrase, rejoice in the Lord. The second one, always. Rejoice in all circumstances. I want to ask you here this morning, do you think that it is possible to rejoice in all circumstances? Do you think it is possible to rejoice, come what may, whatever may come in this life? Is it possible to rejoice even through the obstacles, through sickness and cancer and death and suffering and pain and anxiety and depression and war and violence and prison? To which Paul says, yes, it is possible. That is, if you're Joy, if you're rejoicing, if your peace is not found in the shakable things of this life, the temporary things of this life, but that is found in the unshakable, eternal, firm foundation in Jesus Christ. You see, Paul's not ignorant of everything that we experience in this life. If anyone knows suffering, if anyone knows pain, it's the Apostle Paul. He had gone through just about everything, and yet he knows that the peace of God is not just about escaping all of life's circumstances, but that when they inevitably do happen to us, that God is going with us, even in the midst of everything that we face. And that's what he goes through to say in verse 5. He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. What's the motivation? Look at the next phrase. The Lord is near. Rejoicing in the Lord leads to a heart of gentleness. I would even go as far as to say that rejoicing in the Lord leads to a heart filled with all the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and peace. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, when we rejoice in the Lord, he said it's not just going to stick with you. This peace, this joy is not just going to be with you, but it's going to be made evident to everyone in your life. Why? Because we know that the Lord is near. Think about this with me. So often when I have conversations with people who are going through hardships in this life, going through trials, going through whatever it may be, you ask them, where does it feel like the Lord is meeting you in all of this? And so often what you hear is, he just feels so distant. I just feel like he's so far away, just out of reach. Man, I confess to you, there's been times in my life where I just am like, where are you in this, Lord? Why, why don't I feel you? Why aren't you here? But Paul makes a clear point to say, even in these situations, regardless of how it is that we feel, the reality is that the Lord is near. Listen, so often you and I are trying to seek joy, trying to seek peace in all the wrong places. Trying to affirm ourselves. If, if we want to know that God is close, we look for an outward sign. We, we ask that something extravagant would happen. We'd hear in this audible voice. But here's the reality. He has already promised in his word that he will never, ever leave nor forsake you. 
Therefore, we don't have to be dependent on these outward sources of joy and peace. We know that the Lord is near because he's already told us. You see, Scripture constantly tells us to be ready, prepare yourself in season and out of season, so that when trials come, you'll be ready. When suffering comes, you'll be ready. When the deepest, darkest night and anxiety attacks, you will be ready. So when you have those feelings, when you're just like, ah, I just don't feel like he's near, Paul's just saying, he's near. It's okay, he's near. And because he's near, he says in verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God And the peace of God, he says, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As a people of faith, how do we approach anxiety? We pray. We pray. Man, you feel that you're anxious about a business meeting here coming up. Pray about it. If you feel like you're not certain about what's coming up uh, for a school, you're worrying about taking a test, pray about it. If you're worried about how you're going to provide for your family and everything that's going on in your life, pray about it. If you're worried about the uncertainty of our culture right now, shooting in West Fargo, not knowing if you can even send your kids to school, pray about it. If you're wondering how you're going to preach a message on anxiety to a bunch of anxious people, pray about it. Trust me, I did, right? I love how Pastor Craig Rochelle puts it. He said it this way. He said, anxiety is a signal alerting us that it's time to pray. In other words, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Man, you got anything going on in your life, pray about it. Prayers lifting our eyes to the one who can be with us in the midst of our anxiety. And uh, I just want to say a little excerpt here as I was kind of preparing. Uh, I'm not a parent, so I don't mean to ever uh, overstep my bounds, but I did hear something recently that I found incredibly helpful that I just want to share for what it's worth today. As a parent, do not constantly rescue your children. So often we see them going through hardship, we see them going through trials, and we just want to fix it. We want to get them out, and we want to kind of be their savior and do all these things. But the realization, the reality is we cannot be their savior. And if we constantly are plucking them out of every difficult situation, there's going to be a day that will come where we will not be able to do that anymore, and they will not know how to deal with this situation themselves because someone's already always taken care of it for them. However, What would it look like if you just chose to empathize with them and just say, man, that sounds like you're going through a lot. I'm so sorry. Man, I can't can't imagine, like, it sounds like you're really struggling with this. Can we pray about it? Let's, Let's bring it to the Lord together in prayer. You see, you're not solving it for him. You're not being their savior. We can't do that, but what you're doing is modeling what it looks like to bring your requests to God in prayer, regardless of how big, regardless of how small. Paul says it's when we pray that the, what, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's not a peace that this world can give, but it's a peace given only by the presence of our God. It'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Man, that peace that you and I are so desperately seeking for today, he is offering it on the table. He says, you want peace? Come to me. And recognize this is not a peace saying all your problems are going to go away. 
but it's a peace for your heart. When your heart feels weighty and heavy burden and weary, it's a peace for your mind when your mind feels anxious and isolated and depressed. It's a peace, yes, from the things of this world, but also a peace with our God because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. It's not just a peace that you and I can have just that relates in this earth, but a peace that we can have the hope of eternity all because of what Jesus did, that you and I don't have to wonder, what is my destination following death? We can know my salvation is secure because of the precious blood shed for me by Jesus Christ, the sinless lamb who was slain. You see, peace is a beautiful thing. Peace has to do with order. When you have order, you have peace. When you have a lack of order, a lack of structure, you have a lack of peace. That's why when you look to 2020, 2021, even now in some areas in 2022, you see all structure, all order are pretty much thrown out the window and you see the highest levels of anxiety, the highest levels of depression, the highest levels of panic attacks, whatever you may find. But then you look to Jesus and you see fullness of God, complete order in himself. Man, you feel anxious. You feel like you're out of order today. Come to Jesus. Man, he will give you a peace that transcends all understanding. He'll get your order back in your life. And that's what Paul begins to say in this passage. He goes on in verse eight. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And think about this. Paul's just pointing everyone to the attributes of God and Jesus Christ. Jesus fits all these requirements. Jesus is the definition of truth and nobility and righteousness and purity, love, admirability, excellence, and Jesus is worthy of our praise. What if it looked all it took to gain that peace that you and I are so desperately seeking for is just to look to Jesus Christ? What if that peace that you and I just so desperately needed, all we needed to do was to gaze upon Jesus? Not all the stuff we've got going on, we can't forget about it, but in the midst of it, just to look upon Jesus. That's how Paul made it through prison. And that's what he begins to say. He didn't make it through prison just by striving in his own power. He couldn't do it. He had to gaze upon Jesus. He says in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, you've seen how I've looked to Jesus in the horrible situations in this life. He says, whatever you've seen in me, put it into practice. Do as I do. For it is when you do such things, we can be confident that the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will be with us. So I want to ask you again here today, what are the check engine lights in your life? What are the things that you feel like you're just drowning in right now? Regardless of what it is, may today be an invitation to bring those things to our Father in heaven taking those things to the one who created and designed us, asking that he, as our creator, as our savior, as our sustainer, would begin to heal our hearts, to begin to give peace to our minds, to bring these to him in prayer, regardless of how big, regardless of how small, and remembering the words of Paul, that when it's when we do this, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding in this life, 
will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for this promise. That, Lord, you don't promise that we're going to be escaped from all the worries of this life, but that when we experience them, you are with us. And that you have provided a way for us to have peace. And so be with us today, Lord. We lift these things to you. Yes, we had a time of confession earlier. Sometimes that's all it takes is to confess our sin to feel peace. And sometimes all it takes is just to lift our request to you, regardless of what that may be. Yes, to gain other people, to do all the other things, but to be in communion with Jesus Christ, knowing that he is fullness of God, fullness of peace in human flesh. So Lord, we love you, we bless you. It's in his name that we pray today. And all God's people said, amen.